Welcome into Landmark, episode 10 of the Commitment Issues podcast. I'm Rob Cassidy, joined as always by wonderful co-host Woody Womack. And we are inching towards signing day here, Woody. It's uh, an exciting time to cover recruiting, or as exciting as recruiting can possibly get for people that have covered recruiting for some time. How are you doing this week, man? Well, I'm good. Two weeks, the magic day until we can unfollow all these kids on Twitter. I know uh, really one of my favorite days of the year, just going through that list and hitting that unfollow button uh, so we don't have to follow the lives of these uh, teenage boys anymore as they move on to be uh, teenage men at the college level. Man, I'm pretty good at not following all of them. Um, I'll pick and choose. I, I'm not. I, I can't blanket follow these dudes because it's just it's just too annoying. And I know Twitter has lists. I in my old age, have decided to cast those aside and, and just play Twitter straight. There's been some shifts on your list. Some shifts in your list. <laughs> there have been some shifts on my list. I, I used Twitter lists a bunch when they first came out. I remember I was like way in on them, and then at some point I forgot how to use them. I don't know. I don't know how to use them anymore. I use TweetDeck, but I don't. I don't have multiple columns or anything like that. So I don't know. We sound like old men here, uh, but I, I really don't think anyone uses Twitter lists anymore. No, yeah, they may have done away with them. Who knows? Um, I guess the first topic here for the week, uh, as we move closer to signing day, is the final Rivals 250, uh, our rankings release that you know dropped uh, this week as we record this on a Tuesday. Uh, the 250 was released today. You guys probably will not hear this on this Tuesday, so you know it'll it'll be in the past by the time anybody's listening to this. But a significant milestone there. Oh uh, yeah, the final rankings is a big is definitely a big deal for us because that means. Uh, no more ups and downs. Of course, it means every single fan base in the Rivals.com network accuses us of uh, hating their school and uh, and moving up all of the Rivals commits uh, uh, because, you know, we do hate your school and we do love your schools, our Rival. Right, Rob? No, absolutely. I mean, that's what we do. We sit down and make sure to really screw over the guys going to your school. And, you know, I joked today on Twitter that we just started this list at number 21 this year because we didn't want any of your loser schools to, to land a top 20 prospect. Could you imagine the complicated algorithm that would have to be in place for us to somehow systematically screw over every single fan base as they all accuse us of? I mean, that would be uh, would nuts, right? I would like to start at 150 one one year. (laughs) Yeah, all of your schools suck, uh, and none of you get top 100 recruits. (laughs) This list starts at 150. Of course, uh, we are joking. We we love all the fan bases out there. That's what I tell the fans when they're getting on us on the boards. I tell them... Look, I mean, you know, you guys are fans. That's the whole point. That's why you pay money to read Rivals. You're going to be passionate about these guys, even though you don't know them. I just wish uh, somebody gives us a little credit every now and again when we do get guys right, especially when we deviate pretty far from our competition. You know, there's a lot of groupthink uh, in this industry in terms of rankings. And I know you and I both try to uh, make sure we're making our own evaluations, not ranking guys high based on specific offers or based on, you know, where somebody else might have them rank. We do, we do the best, you know, to be, to be honest, I'm going to let it be known uh, to anyone listening to this podcast. We put so much effort into those rankings. We travel more than any other company. We had the entire Rivals analyst team at both uh, the Under Armour game and the Army game. We, the whole squad was there, not one or two guys, not one, you know, like uh, some of the other companies. Everybody was there at both places, uh, making sure we saw as many people as possible. You know, those all-star games are great evaluation tools, great environment for us to see guys going head-to-head in full pads. So well, check the, out the those rankings. Thing, yeah, the other thing people don't really notice, know about this, the, the, uh, 
process, I think, either, is that they think that, you know, Rivals is like a groupthink. Uh, if somebody would listen to these rankings calls and hear some of the fights and the cursing and the almost, like, <laughs> you know, personal jabs that go on, like, you know, it's not a dictatorship. Um, there's a lot of fighting and a lot of arguing, and sometimes you don't get your way. So sometimes, you know, when a guy is ranked maybe a little bit lower than you think, uh, not everybody at Rivals disagrees with you. <laughs> but, you know, uh, it's the way things break. Well, there was a fa- – yeah, there was, there's been plenty of famous uh, guys who have been uh... – argued about over the over the years I, i'm trying to remember who the most polarizing guy probably was in terms of in, internally not versus another company i know the year deshaun hand was number one we had a spirited argument uh with certain people on this podcast pushing for miles garrett to be number one he ended up finishing number two and i remember you know a very immature person i don't know i can't remember who it was continued to refer to miles garrett as the number one player in the country the entire <laughs> rankings call <laughs> and uh they're going forward all all the way into the next ranking cycle so look my biggest victory somebody... was definitely last year with christian kirk who had a great freshman year um i kind of stood on the table for him uh yelled at a lot of people <laughs> about him and i feel pretty good about his freshman year yeah he he was great he was pretty polarizing as well trent Irwin was a guy that i think we made a five star last year at the end he had a very quiet uh, freshman year. There were some disagreements there. So it, it is interesting, you know, you know, especially when we look back. I wish we did, uh, you know, w- we've had this analyst team in place now for a few years. We're probably one one cycle away from all of us have uh, been doing these rankings together for four full years. And that's when, uh, you know, the braggadocia will really begin when we can kind of talk about who got stuff right, who got stuff wrong. Uh, but let's move on enough to, to talking about ourselves. But that just gives you a, a little window into how the rankings go. You can find those right now at Rivals.com. Uh, and, but now it's drama. It's two weeks away, Rob. We're two weeks from signing day, uh, almost to the day. And let's run down through some of these crazy stories that were happening. Uh, I'm going to start first with a little bit of a diatribe about Nicole Hardman. We talked about him last week. He's a guy that... You know, as we said, he's really enjoying the process. This week, uh, he this past weekend, he went to Ohio State for an official visit, and uh, this may shock you. He put out another list. Um, <laughs> there's been some shifts in his I, list. There's been some shifts on that list. He has shifted his list. I don't know how many times. I mean, top. He he actually did a video with Bleacher Report, I think, to name his top ten. And uh, I'd be curious to cross-reference that top ten list with the top six he listed. <laughs> Uh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I think McCall as much as the next guy has been great to be around, but come on. <laughs> I mean, right. really. So, so, so uh, he, uh, he, he, he continues to, 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 to mess with everybody, really mess with the fans. I think, you know, I was actually texting with him tonight uh, because we were try- I was trying to get him on the phone with our Ohio State site to do an interview uh, about, what, about what was going on. He tell he tells me, you know, hey, I might not go to Alabama this weekend. And I said, well, well, why not? And he said, oh, I'm just getting tired of traveling. <laughs> and so, Alabama, the school he named his leader. Keep in mind when he arrived at San Antonio at the uh, Army All American game. So I think if we're making predictions, I think we both said it last week. I still see him going to Georgia. Uh, you know, I, I do think he likes Ohio State a lot. I think he likes the idea of playing in that offense. Uh, him and Dwayne Haskins have kind of hit it off with a, a bit of a friendship, 
but I think it would be an epic steal for Urban Meyer to, to go down there and land Hardman. So uh, let's move on to a guy from your region, Rob, who we both saw and like, a guy we actually pushed up in the rankings. I, I personally wish we would have pushed him higher. He just didn't kind of have the showing that we had expected at the Army game. That's uh, Raekwon Davis. This guy... Six foot seven and a half, six foot eight. Yeah, he is that how like a, Yeah, I mean, he looks like a ladder. Um, you know, he's a monster, <laughs> no doubt about it. He kind of harkens back, and you made this comparison once, you know, away from the show to, to Byron Cowart, who was our number one player in the country last year. Uh, you know, they've got kind of sort of the same physique and not, not identical by any stretch of the imagination, but in the way that they strike you when they enter a room as a guy that looks like a guy that has an NFL-ready body uh, as a high school student. Uh, but, you know, the news about him this week is that he has lost his mind on Twitter or his phone was compromised. And I say that with air quotes because, you know, I'm not accusing Raekwon of anything, but anytime your phone gets compromised in air quotes, uh, it's usually you're the one that compromised it. But what happened was he decommitted from Alabama and committed to Mississippi State, changed his bio on his Twitter, and then, like, you know, several minutes later, uh, wiped that away uh, after people were calling him and asking him if he flipped and reporting that, you know, he had committed to Mississippi State uh, and said that his phone was compromised by a friend and that didn't happen. Uh, now he's back in the limbo, uh, trying to choose between the school, two schools. We have him marked in the Rivals.com database as an Alabama commit, which this might be a situation where he's committed to both coaches and just hasn't, and this is me speculating, obviously, and just hasn't told <laughs> whichever one that he's not going to that he's not going there. And um, I guess we'll find out. And this this has potential to really, really get crazy as we <laughs> approach signing day. This is one of those stories that could, that could really escalate even more quickly than it already has and, and could be really a joy to watch. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because, you know, the my phone's been hacked thing, that was a big excuse in the early days of Twitter when athletes would say something stupid, uh, which I, I really enjoyed that. But, you know, this is a guy that, and I, actually the confusion spilled over even to our own Nick Kruger and maybe perhaps yourself because somehow you guys did an analysis video on him committing to Alabama. No, yeah, and, here's, here's, yeah, here's what happened. I just got, I just, I just gotten up and I got a text from Krug and this was in the food poisoning throws that we'll get to later in the show. And it was like, can you give me an analysis video on Raekwon? And I had missed the entire thing. I just thought he was late getting to do a video on Raekwon Davis committing to Alabama and, you know, he was getting ready for signing day. So I was like, I hadn't seen any of this yet that was going on on Raekwon's Twitter. And so I just recorded it for him and sent it to him. And it wasn't until after he had already done that that it had dawned on me what had happened. And I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, so it was yeah, it was very odd. It was an odd situation. So right now, Raekwon is committed to Alabama. I think we both expect him to end up at Mississippi State. And I think he could be a guy like Chris Jones that – uh, who has entered the draft this year is going to be a first or second round pick most likely. I think he's a future NFL guy for sure. Um, so do you think well, there's also, you know, there's also buzz out there that maybe he could end up at a junior college. I, I, so it's, I think it's going to get real interesting with Raekwon Davis before it gets less interesting. I, I, I just have a feeling that we have not seen the wildest of this yet. All right. On to the next crazy situation, which, you know, one of the nicest kids uh, in the, in the class, I think, Demetrius Robertson, a guy that you and I have both been around for, for years now. He's been to pretty much every type of rivals camp that we've had since, I believe, uh, 2013, which is pretty impressive considering it's 2016 now. He's traveled with us all over the country, been to a lot of different events. His recruitment... Seven on sevens. He plays 
this guy plays football every weekend in the offseason somewhere. Oh, that's right. He played for Pro Impact last year, 7-on-7. Seven seven. So uh, he, he's definitely making his rounds all over the place. And just a, a kid that's always fun to talk to. And, that, you know, he, 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 he's honest with you. I don't think – he doesn't know where he's going. It's two weeks from signing day. He, he, he really doesn't have a clue. He canceled his Alabama visit last weekend. Uh he, I asked him what happened. He said it's it's a lot of distractions. Was his uh, <laughs> was his quote about why he didn't make the visit? Uh, and so then Cal was in was in for an in home visit. Notre Dame was in for an in home visit. Uh, I called him last week. His phone was disconnected. I called him today. We had a nice conversation. So there's all kinds of he's all over the map. Uh, I I personally think it's really going to boil down to at this point Notre Dame versus Alabama. Notre Dame, you know, seems to be really getting at the academic aspect, which, you know, his family thinks is very important. Uh, and then Alabama, of course, where he's been committed forever. He actually has a twin sister. This is a weird story that uh, that doesn't live with him, that lives with his mom. They live about four hours away uh, from Savannah. And his twin sister enrolled at Alabama A&M to run track. Uh, so they, they, they didn't grow up living in the same house, which is unusual, even though they were twins. So uh, stuff's all over the map. He said they wanted to go to school together. She was supposed to go to Georgia. There were reports. That, he's not going to Alabama A&M then. Right. He, he's not going to Alabama A&M. <laughs> it's shocking. And I asked him where, he, where she was going to school, and he told me Alabama. And then the next day, and of course, you know, uh, someone from our competition was, you know, firing shots on Twitter saying it's Alabama A&M, not Alabama. And I asked him and I said, which one is it? He's like, oh, I don't I think it's Alabama. Alabama A&M isn't the same thing. He had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, so he didn't know. So uh, I do like the way that Notre Dame is trending. I've been predicting Alabama for a long time. Uh, you know, I, I do think Georgia is, is really on the outside looking and even though they're trying to hang around. But. Uh, so that's 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 where we're we're headed on. Demetrius. Can, can we use the before we move on? Can we use the Robertson Alabama Alabama A and M thing to underscore a point that we've made on this show a million times that these kids, top flight recruits, are not as in tune to the college football situation as you are listening to the show. They're not super fans. Uh, they don't know who the new hot assistant coach that got hired to your school is. They, they don't know who that guy is. They have to do research that they're, <laughs> I mean, they're not, they're just not as in tune as people assume they are. I think that like when Auburn hires a new offensive coordinator, Auburn fans assume because they know his name that the top 100 recruits in the country know his name. Uh, they don't, most of them did not know who Jim McElwain was when he was hired as the head coach at Florida. Yeah, that was interesting. I actually got that reaction from a lot of uh, Tennessee uh, targets when they hired Bob Shoup. The Tennessee fans were very excited, and I got a lot of never heard of them from uh, some recruits. And it's not that they're. It's just not, how it is. Right. It's not that they're, you know, stupid. They're in high school. They have, you know, they're worried about, you know, who's dating who and what's going on and whatever high school drama you have. And, you know, they know the, they know the coach that's recruiting them and they know the head coach. And that's pretty much yeah, it. Yeah. And that they know that, and they know that Rachel, the uh, dance team member, sits behind them in third period English. That's, that's what they know. Right, exactly. So one more crazy recruitment before we do a little team-specific specific stuff. Uh, Riley Ridley, I guess we're going to call him that, Kevin Ridley. Now, this is a weird situation. You can kind of explain it uh, with him changing his name, changing schools and everything. Yeah, no, he, uh, yeah, the uh, All-Star Weeks run together, so it was the Under Armour game that Ridley was at. And he, <laughs> take you through this, exactly what happened. Andrew Bone, who does a bang-up job covering Alabama Andrew Bone, for Rivals.com over at Tide Sports, 
uh, was down the field after the Under Armour game, and Ridley <laughs> just was talking to Bone and was just like in passing conversation, was like, "I'm committed," and he like Bone like laughed, and he's like, "No, I committed," and he's like, "Really? To who?" It's like South Carolina. It's like, "When'd you commit?" He's like, "Right now." I just told that guy over there. And he's like, what guy? You can't just commit to like some guy on the sideline. And it ended up being some other reporter from something called Touchdown Alabama, but he had told, he had called the South Carolina coaches thereafter. And somewhere before this, if I can backtrack a little bit, he had decommitted from his name. His name is Kevin Ridley. He, midweek at Under Armour, decided he wanted to start going by Riley Ridley, which most people had never heard of before. So after decommitting from his name and committing to South Carolina, he recommitted to his name briefly, was signing notes app tweets from Kevin Ridley, decommitted the next day <laughs> from from there, uh, and then changed his name back. It, it, it was, you know, it was a, an absolute just mess. And now <laughs> that, that's been maybe the craziest recruitment so far that, that I've covered in my region anyway. Well, we should note that he's the younger brother of Calvin Ridley, who I'm sure everyone remembers a five-star from last year, was running all over the field in the national championship game. And uh, the confusion was one is named Calvin, the younger one is named Cavin, the, the, the same name uh, with, yeah, without an L. It actually caused so much confusion at our regional camp in Miami the year before. This was before you were down here in the southeast, Rob, that because they both signed up at the same time, uh, the registration people assumed it was a duplicate, and when Calvin Ridley came to the camp, he was told he wasn't registered <laughs> because <laughs> they kicked one of the two of them out. So we had a five-star show up at our camp and get told, we don't know who you are, you're not registered, uh, because Calvin had already checked in. Uh, so it was it's an unusual story. He ends up at Georgia, uh, right? Is that where he <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he ended up at Georgia. He, he just enrolled at Georgia, too, before anybody really knew he was committed, before he shared anything with the media. So, like, they found him, our Georgia site, who also does a bang-up job, found him in the in the uh, registration, in, like, the student directory. and was, like, called me and was, like, and I'm, like, I don't know. I, and then he, he decommitted from his name a second time, and he is now Riley again, and he's Riley the Georgia Bulldog. What was his name in the in the registrar's? Uh, documents. That's what we need to know, and that's I, what his name. No, I think it, I think it, I think it was Cavan, <laughs> but you know you can't tell a kid he can't decommit from his name. He's Riley in the Rivals dot com database, and I believe he's Riley on Twitter now. Yeah, well, um, but well, you know, th- 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 it's a situation where I'd watch it closely because there's a chance we could see another name commitment flip before signing day. Well, for sure. With my name being Woody Womack, I have to give him a lot of credit for uh, going with the alliteration first name. I mean, he probably always wished he had the uh, the same initial there, Riley Ridley. So great, great job by uh, Kirby Smart, who uh, actually uh, my producer Nick Kruger and I had a chance to bump into. We had a the bump rule was in full effect this weekend when. Uh, when Nick and I ran into Kirby Smart, we can't tell too many of the details, but uh, boy, really, really laid back guy. He seemed really relaxed and uh, actually knew who I was, Rob. So, uh, not not everybody out there is uh, uh, ignorant to who Woody Womack is. Yeah, well, I still think you're a loser. Well, I'm definitely a loser. There's no, <laughs> uh, that may be saved as a drop for the future from from uh, from Nick. But let's let's go into some team specific stuff. I think nobody had a better week on the recruiting trail than Ohio State. Uh, you know, landing Benjamin Victor, 
a Rivals 100 wide receiver. Uh, they also landed Dwayne Haskins, who uh, was one of the people that was very controversial uh, when it came down to him making the Rivals 100 this past time in terms of the analyst uh, debate. And then they also picked up a five-star linebacker uh, in uh, Keandre Jones. Is that his name? Do you <laughs> Yeah, and they flipped both of them from Maryland, we should note that. And, you know, Maryland still has not really transformed into the Oregon of the East, uh, as they were, you know, have been billed for some time now. Um, But that's, you know, a stunning blow for Maryland, for sure. Well, what do you think about, you know, especially Benjamin Victor, who uh, I believe uh, told you a story about uh, when he almost, I remember he was going to commit to Florida, I think we all expected to. Yeah, he had a date set earlier in, well, before the season, in the offseason, last offseason, to announce. He was going to announce on Larry Bluestein's radio show down here in South Florida. And he's told me since then that he was 100% going to commit to Florida that day. He goes up the weekend before that announcement was scheduled to happen to Sound Mind, Sound Body, which is a camp they have in the north. Does that, swings over to Ohio State to just kind of look around, I think, talks to Urban a little bit. Comes back from that, cancels that announcement, and all of a sudden starts talking about how Ohio State and Florida are neck and neck in his recruitment. Then, when it comes time for him to actually announce... He doesn't even keep Florida as a finalist. You know, it was down to Ohio State, West Virginia, and I can't remember the third school off the top of my head right now. Oh, Tennessee, because he had visited Tennessee, you know, the day before he announced. Obviously, you know, it was pretty clear quickly that it was going to be Ohio State. I think that people were a little bit surprised that Florida didn't make that final cut, but I don't think it shocked anybody. That, But it was really, you know, an incredible move from Urban Meyer to kind of stop that commitment from happening. Not that commitments really mean anything in the year 2016, uh, but to, you know, kind of nip that in the bud and, and give himself a chance to land Victor, who, you know, has tremendous upside, I think, uh, at the college level and, and, and give him a chance to land him. And, and I, I mean, you can't knock Urban. And I think that uh, he's got a reputation as a great recruiter for a reason. And this is, uh, you know, just another peg in that board. Well, you know, uh, of course, Benjamin Victor on uh, one of, Officer Friedman's uh, ten most wanted uh, commits in terms of <laughs> in terms of prospects he was not impressed with at the uh, Army All American game as if you uh, follow along with his tweets on Twitter but uh, you know I think Urban Meyer has done this now seemingly every every year it pulls one big guy out of Florida I think Torrance Gibson was that guy last year uh, so I don't think he's had the impact of recruiting in the Southeast like maybe we thought he would have when he originally got hired but. You know, another example of him closing well. They have a chance to get the number one class in the country. I think LSU is going to charge hard uh, with some of the guys that they're going to add down the stretch. But, uh, you know, they're still recruiting at an elite level. And it's it's going to be a situation where they are reloading, not rebuilding. Uh, and I would expect them to be right in the mix uh, next year as well. Uh, the school right in your backyard, which actually spent a lot of time in my backyard today, Miami, uh, the U up here uh, recruiting hard. Mark Rick trying to flip some of these Georgia commits, guys that he uh, recruited uh, during his time in Athens. Uh, Malik Young, another one of uh, Officer Friedman's most wanted from Coconut Creek High School, actually flipped. Was it was it earlier this week or was it late last week that he made that call? I think it was late last week, but we've been saying on this show that that was going to happen since the moment Rick was hired at Miami. Uh, young from Coconut Creek, from the U's backyard, I think always wanted to go to Miami if it was a stable situation. So when the coach that he was committed to took the job in his backyard, it was a no-brainer for everybody involved. I'm actually surprised it took as long as it did for him to uh, end up committing to Miami. Uh, You know, and that's the kind of pull you have when you're Miami and you hire a guy that's got an established name. Um, Because, you know, Miami's always going to have some aura to it. 
Uh, it's not what it was 15 years ago, but it's not a school without an aura. And I think that if you can keep that aura and you can combine it with a name coach or a coach that people down here know or a coach that has had success in the SEC especially, uh, you can really have the chance to rebuild something special there in Miami. And I'm not saying it's a slam dunk. I'm not saying that Miami is back, but I'm saying that they've got a better chance of being back than they did the day they hired Al Golden, for sure. Well, and another guy that I think I would expect them to flip at this point, uh, Randrikas Davis, uh, affectionately known as Dreek, uh, to myself and uh, you know, uh, producer Nick Kruger, one of our favorite recruits that uh, we laid eyes on a couple years ago. I actually made him a four-star when he had no offers uh, right out of the Jason Howe playbook. And uh, he now has been committed to Georgia. Looks like he's on flip watch. I think I would expect that to happen uh, sometime in the next week or so. Do you, is there anybody else you expect them to close with? What you know, you mentioned about them having a little momentum. What is the feel down there? I mean, you you were out at uh, some events recently. Are, are people feeling good about Rick? Are they optimistic? What what kind of vibe did you get? Yeah, I think they're optimistic. I don't think anybody's you know, ready to declare the U being back. I think the two most important things on Rick's plate in South Florida right now, uh, as far as signing day goes, are to get Amon Richard, the wide receiver, to recommit to Miami and to hold on to Sam Bruce, who, despite being committed, is still looking around. You know, he may be visiting Florida this weekend. He's just coming off a South Carolina visit. Uh, Bruce is one of those guys that I don't think it's going to surprise anybody if something wacky happens on signing day with him. He's... I, he's given me no reason to think it will happen, but he's also given me no reason to think that there's no way it's not going to happen. You know, I, I could definitely see him being one of those signing day surprises. Uh, I don't think it's a certainty, but I mean, it's definitely a task I think for that staff to, to keep him because he is the linchpin of that class, and I think he represents you know something bigger than just one player in one class. I think holding him kind of will make a statement um, in a way. All right, well, another school that I want to talk a little bit about, briefly at least, Oklahoma, all of a sudden, recruiting the Southeast and trying, you know, they've been trying to push into Tennessee, uh, you know, they've done a decent job of at least offering kids down here in the Southeast as they try to recruit nationally. We see them do very well in California. Uh, I know a lot of the kids out there always mention them. Uh, in got- Fresno, they, for some reason, there is like this weird Fresno to Oklahoma pipeline that you know Tari Bird and uh, L.J. Moore a couple of years ago were a part of. They they do very well in that area for whatever reason. Yeah, maybe they'll put V's on the back of their helmet like Fresno State. <laughs> Fresno State, which I, I, man, let me tell you what that is a. Uh, and I don't want to go too much on a on a rant here, but I've been to that stadium and. It, when the visiting team comes out to play against Fresno State, to get to the field from the visitor's locker room, you have to walk down the side of a highway. So there's like a college football team in full pads and helmets just walking along the side of a road to get, to get into the stadium. And cars are like honking, throwing things out the window. It's very, very strange. Well, no wonder uh, they have no problem headed over, heading out uh, to uh, lovely Oklahoma. But I wanted to talk about some of, some of the southeast uh players they've added to pick up. Austin Kendall, a guy that has uh, really impressed us. He moved up way, way uh, I think almost 100 spots in the rankings. He's kind of yo-yoed up and down, uh, but a uh, quality quarterback and a guy I think is going to fit really well into that system, especially considering uh, you know he's a sneaky athlete, as they say, Rob, in code words. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, they're also working hard on uh, uh, Elise Mbembasi, who is a uh, 
whose whose name also kind of sounds like a Hanson song, which you know points for that. Sounds like I was talking in reverse, uh, Missy Elliott style there. And then Velas Jones is a guy I wanted to talk to about with you, an intriguing prospect. He's committed to USC. Uh, I think we expected him to commit to Oklahoma a while, a while ago, uh, but now he's kind of uh, waffling. What are you hearing on yeah, him? I give you, we'll give you the quick Velas Jones timeline here of what, kind of what's happened with him. There was a time roughly a month ago where he was dead set on decommitting from USC and committing to Oklahoma. That was going to happen. It was a 100% certainty. USC begged him to get on campus before he did that. Um, so, you know, he gave them that. Uh, now he's come off of it. And now, you know, talking to him and talking to the people around him, it's become I'm 100% legitimately 50-50 torn between these two schools. Um, it's going to be one of these two schools. USC has really done a nice job on hanging on to him when all hope seemed lost for a long, long period of time, actually. Um, but now, you know, they're in play. There's a chance now I can tell you that he will actually stay there. Um, if you would have asked me two weeks ago, I would have told you there's no way he will sign with USC. Now I think there's a 50% chance that he signs there and a 50% chance he signs at Oklahoma. And these next couple weeks are going to be huge for both of those programs to convince him. Um, I think that he is one of those guys like Demetrius Robinson who really is uncertain on where he's going to land. And it will be real interesting to see what happens with him. All right, so the Sooners, you know, they're never going to pull – you know, five or six guys out of this region per year. But if they can get one or two, especially a four-star guy and then, you know, a, a developmental guy or even, you know, somebody like Samaje Piran, who is, I believe is from Alabama, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's, uh, and he's got – there's a million of them down there. You know, uh, Michael Piran is going far out of this class. And, you know, word is there's a third one coming um, that I think is a 2018 that we'll see at our camps this year. I don't know much about him, although the fact that he carries the same name and the same bloodline – so we'll see what uh, what he's got. All right, so let's move on to South Carolina School. I want to talk a little bit about added a commitment from Kobe Smith late last week, a big-time defensive tackle, I guess, at least a big body. He's a, he's a high three-star, someone who, you know, I was surprised. When I first saw him a couple of years ago, I thought for sure he was going to be a guy that, that uh, Alabama would target schools like that just because he, he kind of fits the mold of exactly what they look for in a defensive tackle. Um you know, six foot three, six foot four, three hundred and twenty-five pounds. Just a, a big guy who takes up a lot of space can can eat up some blockers. Anyway, he committed originally to NC State, flipped from NC State to Kentucky, was set to enroll early. Actually, su- signed his papers with. Uh, oh man, hold on just a second. My my dog is making some weird noises. <laughs> I guess he's. I guess yeah, and, and that's the level of professionalism you can expect from the I guess, he's, I guess he's stopped. Nick will cut this out. But uh, anyway, he, he committed to Kentucky, signed his his papers to enroll early, was all set to go, and then during the dead period actually decommitted from Kentucky. Uh, and they had, of course, had already announced his commitment. Uh, it turned out that Kentucky, Kentucky couldn't get him in to enroll early, I guess, was the disconnect. And then somehow... Uh, South Carolina thought they couldn't get him in either. They end up working out some type of a, some type of a uh, workaround in terms of whatever his credit situation was. <laughs> workaround. I, I wanted to say a loophole. I don't know if we could call it that because I, I, you know, I didn't see the kids' transcripts. I don't know what happened. I know he was on track to graduate early. Uh, that school has a lot of players graduate early, so they should know what they're doing there. Anyway, he ends up 
doing pulling the old Riley Ridley on us, just shows up at South Carolina and rolls in classes, and now he is a Gamecock. So, uh, big time steal from South Carolina to steal somebody from. See, uh, at first, when you said pull the old Riley Ridley, I assumed he decommitted from his name. So now I've done that, but no. I mean, I think that can mean a lot of things at this point. Yes, exactly. He changed his name from Kobe Smith to Riley Smith. <laughs> but. It's such a random name to pick, Riley, of all the... It's uh, got to be his middle name. It has to be his middle name. <laughs> Let's hope so. Uh, so anyway, it, it's part of a bigger trend for South Carolina of them. Uh, since Will Muschamp's got there, they really loaded up this recruiting class. They flipped a lot of recruits. More importantly, put an emphasis on uh, local guys. They actually got T.J. Brunson, a high three-star linebacker who had been committed uh, to Louisville. So, boy, they're just pillaging the state of Kentucky. And after the, the beating we took from Kentucky fans from our... Uh, anti-tobacco segment last week uh just adding fuel to the fire i guess so anyway nine commits i think is what i what i wrote down here on our notes since Muschamp took over and uh they're really trying to add talent there and kind of flip things around i've been impressed with what they've been able to do in such a short time i think you know it remains to be seen if Muschamp can kind of spin that into uh you know winning especially in the east which is seems to be on the rise with uh georgia getting a new coach and then of course tennessee you know being one of the the teams to watch for so but uh just a short piece there on the gamecocks they're adding a lot of commits i like what they're doing uh let's move on to speaking of tennessee we should maybe touch on them right and what they're kind of doing in my neck of the woods down here in florida yeah, it seems like uh, they picked up a commitment last week from Marcus Tatum, who is a three-star offensive lineman. Uh, they're in the mix for Jordan Woods, who's, I believe, is he a four-star defensive end? He is. Uh, then, of course, uh, they have a, a commit from um, my old stomping grounds, Naple High School, in Carlin Philzami, uh, which I was scolded for spelling his name wrong, thanks to autocorrect on my phone yesterday. Uh, and now they're trying to flip Zach Moss, from who was once a Miami commit, now a Utah commit, and Tennessee is hoping that he goes on his third commitment um, and trying to flip him. I spoke to Zach today, actually, uh, just before we started recording the show, and Zach you know, said he was very interested in Tennessee, and I'm, that's a quote from him. Um, and he's going to decide in short order, he says. Uh, it won't be a signing day thing. He says he thinks he's going to have a final decision between Utah and Tennessee within the next week and a half. Uh, so we'll see what they can do. Um, it's they've been Tennessee's never stopped trying to recruit Florida. They've never really had great, well, not never in recent past. They've never had great success uh, in the state. It seems like they're starting to get a little bit of momentum now, and you know I think that's essential for a team that's located where they are geographically. Yeah, and the, they hired Larry Scott. They paid him a you know gave him a nice chunk of change to come up there. He was the interim coach with. Uh, Miami, after uh, they made the coaching change away from Al Golden, he was well-liked by the players down there. Now he seems to be well-liked by recruits. Uh, what do you think his his impact has been? Well, first of all, every time anybody says Larry Scott, I think of the Pac-12 commissioner, so we're going to just start calling him Riley Scott, if that's fine. <laughs> okay, yeah, we can change his name to Riley. <laughs> right. Anyway, so Riley Scott, they he's got a name down here. Um, not so much, again, with, with some of these players in the 2017 and 2018 class, they don't know who Riley Scott is. Um, but, you know, it's about the 7-on-7 seven seven coaches and the high school coaches and people that can tell these players, you know, explain to these players who he is and why he's important in the region, why he's been around the region a little bit. And, uh, you know, he's really good in the Tampa area. He's got some connections in South Florida. I think you're going to see guys from the Naples area and, you know, around there start to really consider Tennessee a little bit more. It's going to be real interesting to see what happens with Zach Moss because Zach Moss is a South Florida high school kid. 
who has some options, who has been committed to Utah with two of his high school teammates to whom he's very close. Uh, so flipping him in Tennessee, obviously, is is the more flashy program, I think. Uh, you know, it's in the Southeast. It has the history that Utah doesn't have. But at the same time, the draw of high school classmates going to college with them, I think, is, is very strong as well. So I don't think it'll be an easy flip. But if they do accomplish that, I think it's definitely a milestone for Larry slash Riley Scott uh, and, and could be a sign of things going forward. Yeah, it's interesting because a lot of these guys, you know, are in the high three-star range. I'm not sure what Tatum is ranked. Uh, you know, of course, the the, the uh, controversial ranking of uh, the Naples running back has, has caused a lot of conversation on the Tennessee board. Jordan Woods, I believe, was a guy who was hovering around the rivals 250 for most of the process, and I think he's still a four-star. And then, of course, Zach Moss was a guy, like you said, who flipped from Miami to Utah. can probably read the writing on the wall there. Do you think uh, it's important for them to kind of get over that hump and get into more of the Jordan Woods territory, or do you think you know, this is a good place to start maybe rebuilding those connections that they used to have? I mean, you know, they used to it's re- absolutely. You and I have talked so much on this podcast about how recruiting Florida is mm-hmm. something you need to build up to. Um, you start landing the right kids from the right programs and the right seven-on-seven teams, and then you're rewarded later. You take kids that are good and that can help your program, but you also take kids that, while being good and can help your program, can also help you land other kids uh, down the road. It's how it works down here. It's, I mean, like it or, or not, I mean, it's just part of the game, and, and you have to play it if you're going to be an out-of-state school recruiting the top-level athletes in Florida. All right, so we finally got Tennessee into the show. So, Vols fans, I hope you're happy. We've been trying to do it for 10 episodes. So, uh we finally got you in there, so please uh, send all your angry emails uh, to rivalspodcast at yahoo dot com. Wanted to give a, a quick yeah, or go on Twitter and send them to at riley cassidy. <laughs> that would be a good... <laughs> you know at rob cassidy's taken. Maybe we can get you at riley cassidy as a uh, alternate uh, Twitter handle. Maybe you could use that as your. Uh... <laughs> I've heard that. I'm going to secure it right now. I've heard there's some rivals analysts who keep a second account uh, to spy on people. So maybe that uh, Riley Cassidy could be uh, your account to do uh, such nefarious acts. I do want to do a quick plug here, a reminder to uh, subscribe on iTunes. Our numbers actually, uh, our most listened to episode so far was episode nine. I guess you guys missed us when we were gone. Uh, but, you know, find us on iTunes, subscribe. More importantly, leave a review because that helps with our placement. We spent... Uh, about two months on the front page of the new and noteworthy section, and then uh, they finally bumped us off. I guess we're not noteworthy or new anymore, but uh, check us out there. Of course, follow us on Twitter. I'm at Rivals Woody. Rob is at uh, Cassidy underscore Rob. If you want to hear why he doesn't have Rob Cassidy as his name, you can listen to last week's episode. So, Rob, now let's get into our schedule. Just because the All-Star Games are over doesn't mean we stopped traveling. Uh, we were both at seven-on-seven tryouts over the past few weekends. Uh, first, why don't you explain to the people what seven-on-seven is, <laughs> just briefly, because I, I think people hear the name of it, and they assume it's something, but a lot of people don't know what it is or what goes on. So a quick 30-second synopsis on what it yeah, is. It's, it's, a, it's a series of tournament. It's touch football pretty much with no linemen. So it's, you know, a quarterback... Uh, your receivers are running back, you know, and then, you know, 
no linemen, your linebackers, uh, defensive backs, uh, safeties and corners. Uh, and it's, you know, a passing league pretty much. I mean, there's no handoffs. Uh, it's a really good way to evaluate quarterbacks, I think, and, and wide receivers too, and, and, you know, coverage skills of defensive backs. And, you know, in the Southeast and in California, for that matter, there's an event every weekend. Uh, most of the top prospects in those two regions play and play for, you know, five or six different teams. But it's a good way to see a lot of very good players uh, together in, in one place. Well, and it's sim- more importantly, it simulates, especially for those positions that uh, defensive back and wide receiver. I'm not so much linebacker and running back, but it, I mean, it really simulates game situations. Uh, so it is, it is a valuable tool. And it's just like playing, like, you know, we all played with our friends, two hand touch. It's the same situation. No, you did. I played tackle because I'm a man. Well, I played a, I played a lot of tackle too. I think if if anyone were to see the two of us, I think uh, they'd be more worried about being tackled by me than you, old Rob. <laughs> <laughs> My dad can beat up your dad. <laughs> so anyway, it's it's a similar situation. So we go to these things now. The tryouts is it takes it a level further because basically you have people trying out to make this team. It's essentially. Uh, like a football camp, but players just going through drills and one-on-ones in a non-padded situation. So what was your experience being out there at South Florida Express uh, a couple weeks and weekends ago? And then, of course, this past week you were up in Tampa. Did you see any celebs? I mean, I saw the owner of the Miami Heat actually two years ago at the Express tryout. So were there any celebs sightings? Yeah, no, it was kind of short on celebs this year. And there could have been a million celebs at unsigned preps in Tampa, but I was like – Dying with food poisoning, which I'll get to later. So there could have been, or I could have hallucinated and seen a celeb. It was really a rough go. But you know, the South Florida Express is the oldest South Florida seven-on team. They've got NFL, you know, alumni, and you know, obviously college football alumni as well. Uh, it's a big event every year. Uh, everybody wants to make that team between them and the Fire, uh, which the other really big team in South Florida. Those those events are huge. Uh, you see most of the top South Florida talent, skill position talent anyway, is out there. And even the ones that aren't, uh, linemen are out there watching. In fact, Navon Donaldson, who's a Miami commit, a giant 300-plus, 50-pound-plus tackle, tried out and made the team at tight end. <laughs> It's amazing to watch him move out there. It's a defensive backs can't get around him. Uh, he's got some pretty decent hands for a big guy, too. So you'll see him on the circuit, and you and I can laugh at him. Uh, I mean, it's only funny to watch him run because he is so huge. But, it's I mean, he's not bad. I mean, there's a reason he made that team. Uh, so you, you see the talent out there. Uh, it's good to, you know, build relationships with players, too, on that, that extent. I had a good time. I have a good time every year at that event, though. So a lot of a lot of people are branding it as you know AAU basketball or whatever, but in in my experience, a lot of the seven on seven people we deal with are uh, above board, and actually most of them spend a lot of their own money and time to try to help kids, uh, you know, get noticed by college coaches and stuff like that. So don't knock seven on seven. It's an off season event. It's something that you know it does get tired by the end of seven on seven season. We're all ready for it to be over, but at the same time. Uh, you know, it's it, it doesn't deserve maybe that bad rep uh, that everybody gives it. So uh, we're not going to complain about 7-on-7. Seven seven. We're going to complain about other stuff now, Rob. It's time for Rants and Recommendations, everybody's uh, everybody's favorite segment. Uh, do you want to start this week? Yeah, I guess I can start because I've been kind of alluding to... Uh, <laughs> and, you know, it's not really as much of a rant as it is a sob story because it's on me. Like, the whole food poisoning bout that I got the night before the unsigned preps tryouts was because I elected to eat at something called Taco Bus, probably. Uh, it's either that or a hamburger that I got at a place called The Refinery 
I believe, called the refinery in Seminole Heights in Tampa. But, you know, more likely it's something called Taco Bus, right? Like if it's a nice hipster restaurant hamburger versus Taco Bus, uh, which were eaten probably within four hours of each other. Uh, so I'm going to guess it was Taco Bus if I'm throwing Taco Bus under the bus. <laughs> Pun definitely intended uh, for no reason that I apologize. But, uh, man, it was just uh, it was bad news, Taco Bus in South Tampa. I uh, covered an event with food poisoning. Drove back to the hotel, which was not very far, and had to stop and take a nap in a gas station parking lot because I was going to fall asleep or throw up or crash my car or some combination of all three. Uh, Probably should have done a better job writing up uh, the recap of that event, but I did what I could. The worst part about it, though, was that I had to public speak. So I arrive, and I didn't know I had to public speak. And they were like, do you mind? They're doing this recruiting seminar. They brought in you know, somebody from the NCAA and you know, a graduate assistant from some college to talk to the parents about the recruiting process. And they're like, all right, Rob, why don't you tell the parents about what you do in Rivals.com? And I'm like up there trying not to barf. Uh, it was bad. <laughs> so that is my, uh, that's my rant for the week. It's not so much a rant as it is a sob story and an apology to the good people at Unsigned Preps. Well, guess what? I'll, rant, I'll add a rant onto there. I'm from Oregon, uh, as we've mentioned several times in this show, where they actually called, they call food trucks food carts uh, most of the time because they're usually uh, in some sort of... Well, this was a food bus. I, I should, okay, so, well, that's what I... I should specify. That's what I want to say. At some point, probably six or seven years ago, uh, food trucks went from being, uh, which we called them roach coaches, where they would roll up to a construction site or something like that and sell whatever taco bus type food that you had. At some point, they switched from that to being a gourmet place where you could buy you know, chicken and waffles, which, you know, is a real sore subject for me because if you give me chicken tenders and put it in a waffle like a taco, that's not chicken and waffles. You know what I mean? That's just some weird, uh, I don't no, know. I agree. Right, some weird Look, variant. Man, I'll tell you when it happened. I'll tell you when it happened when we went from Roach Coach to, to Hipster Food Truck is it was before six or seven years ago because when I was in my last year of college, I believe, there was a show on the air called The Great Food Truck Race. It was hosted by that Tyler or whatever on the Food Network. And the reason I remember this show is because it came to my college town. And when you're going to college in Manhattan, Kansas, as I did, and some crappy Food Network show rolls into town, it's a huge deal because it's Manhattan, Kansas. Um, and I just remember people like chasing these trucks around town and acting like it was Jennifer Aniston. It was very strange. <laughs> Uh, but it was it, maybe at peak food truck at that point, and that was, I don't know, years ago. Uh, so I think it was longer than six or seven years ago when these things got real hot. Well, whatever. Yeah, food trucks are washed. Uh. <laughs> no, I agree. I, I concur. I think that they had their, their moment in the sun, but it's over now. And, uh, you know, it's, it's <laughs> uh, cause of death, food poisoning for Rob. I probably will take some time off from eating at food trucks, buses, or carts, or anything of the sort. Uh, food Riley's also out. <laughs> Exactly. Riley Ridley's, uh, what kind of, I don't know what kind of food, Riley, I was trying to think of a food that start rigatoni, uh, <laughs> rigato Riley Ridley's rigatoni rav for. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. So, uh, I actually have a food related rant and recommendation this week. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday night. I'm actually uh, in the process of moving the boxes all around me. I noticed today today it was National Popcorn Day, which, you know, we can complain about there being a, some stupid national day every day of the week now or every day of the year. 
But on Twitter, you know, they have this new moments section, which they annoyingly put uh, one tab over to get yeah, us mo- all. Moments is washed. Yeah, boy, talk about washed. But anyway, they try to get us to click on it. So I actually clicked on it today. And what pops up but, you know, National Popcorn Day, the number one trending topic. And, in, you know, instead of a nice bowl of popcorn, which, you know, I've been known to enjoy as uh, anyone uh, that knows me can attest, Nick and I sample uh, popcorns at stadiums all over the country. There is a bag of, there's a bowl of popcorn with some type of sprinkles and like sugar put onto it. It's National Popcorn Day. Let's have a bowl of regular pop. What's wrong with regular popcorn? When did, popcorn is already good. Like it's a salty snack with butter on it. At what point did we say, hey, you know, I need to add M&Ms. Speaking of which, the official M&Ms account tweeted out a photo. And oh, celebrate National Popcorn Day with our M&M inspired recipe. I don't need M&Ms in my popcorn. It's popcorn already. Like, All right. So where does the line draw here for Woody Womack then? Is it like putting weird things in popcorn or like is cheddar corn now like, cheddar know, corn popcorn, sucks like cheese no sucks caramel caramel corn out uh <laughs> so a popcorn traditionalist <laughs> that's right I, I like to keep it classic and that's where my recommendation comes in uh you know you, i try a lot of popcorns as my a, recommendation is oral redenbacher's microwave no, no, no. you better not be. see that's what you would think I actually have a whirly pop, which I use quite a bit, which is a thing that you cook on the stove. You crank the little handle, uh, and it mixes the right, seat. Confession, I have a movie theater popcorn machine. I do. I'm looking at it right now. It's awesome. It's it's very, very great. Well, in, in college, it's maybe I, the coolest thing in my house. In college, I did have one of those uh, in my apartment, which I procured through uh, student funds at the University of Central Florida, which is a whole different story. But, yeah, Rob used to have a movie theater in his house that tells you what kind of money he makes uh, as the uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. Southeast. <laughs> it just tells you how cheap it was to live in Texas, not <laughs> anything about what I make. Well, so anyway, uh, so the Whirly Pop is great. But if you are looking for a short-term solution, uh, I would highly recommend going with the Pop Secret Home Style Popcorn. You can get the uh, the bags over the counter. You know, we're talking two for four dollars for three bags. It is by far the best microwave popcorn you can get. Don't go with the movie theater butter or anything like that. This is uh, by far. So that's my recommendation. That's my rant. Eat your popcorn with butter, salt, anything. Other thing other than that is uh, ancillary, and it's not a sweet. No sweets. No sugar. Uh, you know. No kettle. I don't even like. Kettle. No, I agree. We can't have popcorn. I agree on the sweets. We can't have popcorn going the way of French toast, which is like become. That is a dessert masquerading as a breakfast. I, I, it's not. That's not a breakfast food. That is a dessert, and somehow it's like fibbed its way onto breakfast menus. So anyway, that I guess that wraps it up. You, you do not. You have a recommendation or no? Other than not- yeah, my recommendation is not to get food poisoning, but you know, otherwise, great show this week, Riley. <laughs> no, my name is not. I already have a literation name. <laughs> Your name could be uh, Carly Cassidy. Um, yeah, whatever works. <laughs> so that wraps it up for us. The uh, we, we already plugged everything except our boy M. Deuce. Which not, uh, Deuce? Yeah, I was going to say, get us out of here, M. Deuce. M. Deuce, by the way, all of a sudden, quickly becoming the uh, official music of the Rivals.com network as he uh, is working on some. Uh, themes for our other podcasts he's also sent us some stuff for a video project that nick and i are working on as well so uh check him out a lot of good beats including the low is it low rider low rider weather low rider music i can't remember the name of this song that's we should shout out nick kruger who is you know our wonderful producer who i would never yell at in a public setting <laughs> uh, 
on the show. He does a wonderful job, and I just wanted to thank him publicly. Yeah, if if you ever want the real story why we went on for two weeks, uh, you can uh, read that in uh, Nick Kruger's tell-all book, Behind the Commitment Issues podcast, where he explains uh, Rob Cassidy's yeah. diva podcast. <laughs> He explains that I became a, uh, I became Hollywood for a week. Yeah, Rob flipped on us, went NWO style uh, to make our wrestling <laughs> reference. All right, we'll see you guys in episode 11. It's been great. <laughs>